This is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network, your home for the weird, wacky, and wild in all the sports world. She's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba, and we have a fun episode ahead of us today. Here, we're talking Jimbo Fisher. We're talking Josh Dobbs and Creed. We're talking Victor Wimbanyama and Tom Brady. It's going to be a blasty blast here on Know Your News. What's going on, Mia? Hanging in there, John. I I discovered firsthand this weekend that the drop-off between age 29 and age 31 and having a good time, it is a very steep cliff. Learned firsthand today. How so? And yesterday and the day before that. Uh, I was at a bachelorette party, second half of last week. Uh, drove back on Saturday. Um, probably stayed out a little too much. Maybe had a little too much drink Drank on Friday. But felt okay. Um, everybody else at like 3 o'clock because the weather was kind of crappy um, up in Savannah. So they all were like getting ready to take naps because I knew I had to leave anyways because I had a game yesterday. And uh, get in the car, first hour and a half, no issue. Get about, you know, halfway point, And I'm like, mm, a little sleepy. Let me stop and get a coffee. Stop and get a coffee. I go, mm, do I really want to stop again? No. I've never had a five-hour energy in my life. Huh. Maybe is now the time. Huh. I'm going to try it. Huh. Don Alba, my body has been wrecked, not by alcohol, not by sleep mm-hmm. deprivation, but by a five-hour energy yep. for the past 48 hours. I am finally coming out of the comatose of it. Um, and it's not helping that we haven't seen the sun in two days. So, uh, which is hilarious because I have lived in two places in which I have gone 30 plus days not seeing the sun. But here we are. So, yeah, I'm very fired up, though, because we have Jim Harbaugh and Jimbo Fisher spewing nonsense into microphones. So that will give me the sustenance and the energy for Out of Bounds. Well, if you got the sustenance and the energy for Out of Bounds, we want to hear it. Head on over to KYNchat.com. Leave us a super chat or if you're watching via YouTube, just comment there. And we will get that read on air. We're going to have some fun here today, as we do every single week. We also have an opening toast. I am going with a little black cherry high noon here. I can't today. even look at it. <laughs> I have a whole 30 rack of them because, of course, I was the only girl in the party that could drive. The rest of them flew. So I was sent home mm. with all of it. I can't. I couldn't even look at it in the fridge just now. So, yeah, we, we're oh, going wow. Agua. This is not a cop-out. This is... This, this is this is necessary, folks. That's fun. I feel that. I feel that. Cheers to your survival off five-hour energy, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it was so trippy. Like, I went I'll to bed. i on the Agua with this giant-ass Fiji I got Hey, here. okay. Hey, listen, hydration is important, especially in the holiday season. Um, Yeah, I've, like, n- if anybody has ever felt this, please leave a comment. Like, I felt as if all my intestines had been flipped around, and they were slowly trying to go back into place throughout the duration of Saturday evening once I returned home. Like, Fell asleep last night at 9 o'clock. Like, crazy. Well, Mia, things could be worse. You could be without a job. No, but I also could have $77 million, John Alba. That is indeed the case for Jimbo Fisher. At 6-4 and and not having won an actual road game since October 16, 2021, Texas A&M football fired Jimbo Fisher yesterday. Fisher will get a near $77 million buyout as part of this firing. And it begs the question, is it better to be fired than actually be successful in the world of sports these days, Mia? If you're a college football coach or college basketball coach, there is no question about it, John. We got into the wrong side of this profession. We should have gone into coaching because you build your way up. You sleep, in the words of Coach O and Dan Mullen, in your office, on mattresses, and get little to no money. 
But in about a decade's time, you will be racking in the do re me just because it didn't work out at that stop. Then you're going to go to another stop. They're going to pay you more money and you're still going to maybe be collecting from the last job. Or if you're Matt Rule, you will truly know mm-hmm. how to work the system and be getting paid by an NFL team and by a college team. It's absurd. Uh, I feel bad for, quite honestly, not just the, the players, and I understand the players at the professional level make millions, but we were just talking off the air about Zach Wilson, and we will get to him in the Jets quarterback situation, but the truth of the matter is, is that if the Jets admit that he's not a quarterback, he will not be making the money that he is after the duration of his rookie contract. If a, if a college coach does not make it the duration of their contract, as long as they're not fired for cause, they are still making that money. And they will be taken care of for the rest of their life. Not that those players are not making money that that will set them up for success. But in the college football ranks, it's absolutely absurd. At the same time, though, and we will get into this, I get the move from Texas A&M. They felt like this was, they were in neutral. That was verbatim what the Board of Trustees chair said. And they needed to make a change now because why wait? Uh, I, I quoted it last week when we talked about this. In the words of Jeremy Foley, the former athletic director at the University of Florida, what must be done eventually should be done immediately. There's nothing wrong with doing the, the firing. I, I don't have an issue with that because they were stagnant. They weren't going anywhere. I mean, as I just said, they haven't won a true road game since the middle of 2021. It's a long time ago. And if you're supposed to be a top-tier program in a top-tier conference, that mediocrity is not going to save jobs. It's as simple as that. With that said, these are the same people who bitch and moan about NIL and players getting paid. Meanwhile, Jimbo Fisher doesn't have to work another day in his life if he doesn't want to. He's set up for good. Keep in mind, when he signed this massive extension a couple of years ago, had there been a buyout immediately then, it would have been a $95 million buyout. Instead, he makes it a couple extra years, $77 million. It is so backwards, and I'm all about people getting paid. I think it's great, but it's so backwards that the structure of the system is set up this way, and for so long, for so long, we have tried to do everything we could to to hold players back from being able to monetize things, not even profit, but to monetize their existence. It, it is such a shame that the system is set up in this way. It does show you how lucrative the college sports landscape truly is at its core. And the funny thing is, Mia, despite all of the complaining about this and the brouhaha stemming from it, you know that this is not a record that's going to stand forever. This will be broken by somebody else at some point. That's the whole, that's the whole point is granted. We live in a capitalist society, which isn't always a bad thing, but in this situation it is because if somebody has a contract that is this high, the next person's got to surpass it. And then the next person after that, and after that, and after that, and the cycle continues. Um, So yeah, nope. It's uh, there's going to be somebody else. Now the news this morning, which I, I find terribly hilarious, but also very sad um, that, Jimbo Fisher, lest we forget, John, won his last game as head coach of AM on Saturday over Mississippi State, which fired its coach, Zach Arnett, less than one year into his tenure this morning. And so the two coaches in that game are both uh, no longer coaching their programs. And now the front runner to replace Zach Arnett at Mississippi State is, wait for it, John Alba, 
Dan Mullen, who was the coach at Mississippi State less than 10 years ago. And so we just go right back to the well. Danny is still making money off Florida. He's making that ESPN buku bucks. And now he could also be getting a payday from Mississippi State. It's a great way to work the system, if you ask me. It is all cyclical. These guys have a track record, and yet they're given chance after chance after chance after chance. This is how it works. There's so many qualified people who could be brought in for even cheaper and probably be just as impactful. But because the name brand sells, we got to see what kind of coat of paint we can put on this program by bringing in these established names. We'll give you a big buyout option in your contract, and then we'll be stuck with the bill. You're setting yourself up for failure as a program. Oh, absolutely. Um, The reason that I looked like I was zoning out, but I wasn't, is because I needed to find these numbers for you. Are you ready? Back to my earlier point. In 1998, his first major coaching job, Jimbo Fisher was the quarterback coach at Auburn. And granted, obviously, we have inflation, what have you. $72,000. Pretty good salary. In 2000, as LSU's offensive coordinator, he made 130K. That was bumped up to 205K in 2003. As Florida State's offensive coordinator, he peaked at 425. As their head coach in his first season, 1.6 million. After they won the national championship at Florida State, 2.75. Then bumped up to 5 million right before he spurred the Knolls for Texas A&M, in which case his salary went up to 7.5 million, followed by an increase in the 2023 season to 9.15. And now $76 million to sit on the couch, 20% of which John Alba must be paid in the next 60 days. I want to know if the boosters at A&M, who of course are some of the um, most wealthy oil rig owners, or at least that's what Johnny Manziel taught me in the continental United States, are we going to get an increase in a hike in gas prices because we got to pay Jimbo? I, just, I, uh, I think it could happen. I just did the math real quick. That means $15.4 million will be headed Jimbo's way Yes, within the next few days. Pretty nice to have that, that, that amount of cheddar in your pocket. You mentioned Johnny Manziel. He said that he's happy to do whatever he can to help Texas A&M. So are we looking at Coach Manziel, Coach Johnny coming up here? Good soul. He just wants to help. Mm. They helped him. Mm -hmm. He wants to help them. What Mm -hmm. else is he doing? You saw the documentary, John. You're telling me this has nothing to do with- He's partying in Scottsdale You're telling me this has nothing to do with wanting to get a payday here? No, it absolutely does. But then he's just going to turn that money around and- Go party some more. Can you imagine what NIL would have looked like with Johnny Manziel back in the day? I do feel bad for the guy. I do feel bad for him because absolutely, when he was still in you know his playing days, yeah. I mean, look at Zion. Look at Tim Tebow. Granted, those last two obviously have been able to benefit off their name, image, and likeness a little more than Johnny. But it is crazy to think that this can be gone in the blink of an eye and someone like Johnny Manziel can be left with next to nothing, whereas Jimbo Fisher now can see his career fade off into the sunset, and he's got a Bobby Bonilla-type payday every other day. Way more than Bobby Bonilla, let me tell you Oh, uh, yeah, there's no question. But the fact that it's going to be like an annual thing, like, oh, here we go, it's Jimbo Fisher Day, Mm -hmm. let's give him the next half of his installment. Jimmy Sexton remains undefeated. Take us from Jimbo to Jim. Yes, the day of Jim has arrived. Oh, folks, this, this was just... Honestly, the Jimbo Fisher saga was fun. This may have topped it today. And honestly, on Saturday, too. The Big Ten suspended Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh for three games in relation to the sign-stealing saga that has captivated the college football world. Harbaugh will have a chance to be in attendance as a judge decides this Friday whether or not to grant a restraining order that would upend said suspension. He then went on perhaps one of the greatest tirades that a college football press conference has had in quite some time. 
He said, among other things, quote, I have always felt like it'd be cool to get up there and thunder away at a jury like Tom Cruise and a few good men or be a judge. Alas, I did not go to law school. Then he said, this is the first time I've ever really been in this situation, um, even though, as we all know, he also was suspended at the start of this season. Um, some other quotes I will get to later because he started talking about doing push-ups and eating apples and that Michigan is America's team. John, is Jim Harbaugh taking this mess seriously or is he just at absolute heel right now? No, he's leaning into the bit. What other option does he have? What is he going to – is he going to act guilty? Of course not. He's not going to act guilty because if he has an admission of guilt, then that's going to rain down on the players. It's going to rain down on the program for good. So he's going to lean into the bit here. He's going to heal it up as much as he can. He's going to utilize his bombastic personality to attract attention. He's going to try to leverage that into emotion from the fan base. And maybe they hope that the tide begins to turn here. They start to disperse the punishment on other teams in the Big Ten. And then everyone's in trouble. And if everyone's in trouble, then no one's in trouble. And I think that's exactly the game plan of Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the Michigan administration and coaching staff as you move forward into the rest of the calendar year. It's going to be something that is going to linger well past the end of the regular season and the playoff. It's probably... My guess is that this leads ultimately to Jim Harbaugh's departure from Michigan. To? Elsewhere. Maybe the NFL... Maybe another program that's willing to take a chance outside of the walls of Alexandria. But whatever it may be, I think this all ultimately leads to his departure, a resignation more than anything else. Before I go back and read from the book of Jim, I'm curious um, if Michigan does win it all this year, whether Jim Harbaugh is a part of that championship or not, will there be an asterisk on this championship? Will the NCAA try to take the banner down? I mean, who cares if there's an asterisk? There's so many asterisks in sports that don't get acknowledged. It doesn't matter. Will they try to take it away? Maybe depending on how it all plays out, but ultimately regardless of how people look at it, he could get exonerated and people are still going to look at it as tainted at this point. So you've got no choice but to lean into the bit. I honestly, though, in the grand scheme of terrible things college and NFL coaches have done, I put this at the lower end because... Yeah, but then what about the Astros? Because this is The Astros, it was way different, dude. I mean, they were communicating signals in-game. This was stealing... The answers to the test ahead of time. That was literally a manipulative operation mid-game to signal to someone from one end of the stadium to the other. This is simply they had the answer to the test and they answered the test accordingly, which for what it's worth, I don't even think Michigan needed it because they have one of the easiest schedules in the country this year. So I'm just saying it- when you talk about cheating, is it apples to apples? Is it not? No, I, I would I, compare, like, I would put this, I think this is lesser than Astros. I think it's lesser than everything Bill Belichick has ever done. And we've forgiven him for that. Um, which I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, can we get to Bill tonight? But maybe not. We'll get to Bill next week if he's even still the coach of the Patriots. Um, yeah, for me, this is just kind of like, you know, and you've seen on X and on other social platforms, you've seen enough high school and college coaches come out and say like, everybody does this. So why it's a big deal just because Ryan day and Ohio state have tried to portray it as such in the media. And now it has gotten out there and 
Jim Harbaugh, perhaps, if you don't love him, you hate him. I don't really know. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I think Michigan, with or without their opponent signals, will be rolling through their competition right now. And so that's why I'm just kind of indifferent at this point. Um, and I'm like, so how do you see it playing out? I think they're going to win the national championship and then we're all going to get a good laugh out of it because Jim is going to just pound his chest. He's going to scream about he's a, how this is America's team, it's the world against us, the world against Michigan. And then the NCAA is going to slap him with a three game suspension to start next season for something else. That's bogus. Um, but probably more merited than this. It's probably going to be like that. He slept at a recruit's house again in a tree or something. Um, and then, you know, there will also continue to be people who question if it's a tainted championship or not. But for me, in terms of Johnny's and Joe's, they are among the top four teams in the nation. And so it's not like they're getting to where they are. And to your point about the Astros, it's not like the Astros didn't have the Johnny's and Joe's to go win a World Series. They certainly did. But I, it's just different. Like that was literally in-game cheating. Like, conveying things this is just hey here you go you had like coach campo always tells the story of like when he was coaching in college at miami somebody left their play sheet just in a hallway and a player from the opposing team found it and then used it that's what this is in my opinion although a bit more coordinated effort behind the scenes I'm saying it's it. definitely more coordinated than, right I it's mean, a little more coordinated talking like, disguises and right mustaches and well, oh, oh, well, you want to talk about Sweet Connor? Okay, well, that's different. Connor is different. I, yeah, the, the Connor part of this is. But like, you can't say that. I, I mean, come on, you're gonna tell me that Harbaugh didn't know? No, he absolutely knew. Thank but you. I think Ryan Day knows that they were stealing stuff from Rutgers to beat Purdue, and Purdue was stealing stuff from them to beat Rutgers. Like they're all in coordination. So that's why for me, it's just whatever. Can I read from the book of Jim some more? Because this is my favorite content of the day. Okay. Um, so he did clarify that he is not sure whether he will testify Friday or not. Quote, that's not my dance floor. I have watched a lot of shows though. I've watched judge Judy a lot. He then followed that up um, by saying that quote, this is after he said that it, Michigan is America's team and it's the world against Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, he said that while his voice is raspy, he's not sick. Quote, I am the iron wall that viruses bash against and shatter. <laughs> said, I'm just going to go do some more push-ups and eat an apple. Well, we'll talk about someone in a little bit who also thinks he's an iron wall against viruses. Oh, my Don't worry. God. We'll get, we'll get into that. Uh, but we want to hear your thoughts, guys. Leave us a super chat if you're watching on YouTube. Drop it down there. It helps support the network. It helps support our show. We'd love to hear what you've got to say. We keep moving on, Mia, to a guy we talked about last week, the Pastronaut, having another big week this week with some inspiration. Yes, and wait for it. Um, it was the same inspiration that we've talked about on this yeah. very program, John. Here we go. Ready? Josh Dobbs picked up Sunday night where he left off last week in Atlanta, accounting for 312 offensive yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings' 27-19 win over the Saints. And in doing so, he became the first player in NFL history to amass 400 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, and no picks in his first two games with the team. He took to TikTok afterwards to share highlights of him scoring set to Creed's hit single, Higher. Can you take me higher? You know what I'm saying. We were all part of the 90s. 
We What's also more were part of the comeback in 2023, Mia, Josh Dobbs or Creed? I was going to say, we also were all part of, including those of you who listen to this program every week, um, the Texas Rangers World Series Championship a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, which was also powered by Creed. Creed has also announced that they are going back on tour with yes, three doors down. The 90s are back, John. So Very what's excited. the more impressive comeback, Josh Dobbs or Creed? I don't think Josh Dobbs ever went anywhere. That, that's that's my thing. And I, I know I shared this on last week's program. Like, he was always a reliable backup. How different is this than what Case Keenum did when he got to Minnesota? Um, also, by the way, I'm not sure the Cardinals were nearly as competitive as they were the first seven, six weeks of the season, if not for Josh Dobbs. And so, for me... This is not a guy who made his way back. This is a guy who's been here. He just hasn't gotten the opportunity to play. Um, and whether it was here in Jacksonville or as the third stringer in Pittsburgh behind um, Mason Rudolph, um, I think he's just been biding his time while also um, interning at NASA, and he's now finally getting his shot. I think this is actually a great story of this is why you prepare to be the starter every day because when you do get your shot, what do you do with it? And that goes beyond the football field. Um, Since I see Eddie mentioning it in the YouTube chat, I'll bring it up as well. I'm excited for Josh Dobbs because this Minnesota defense has really found something with Brian Flores as its defensive coordinator. There's a reason they didn't trade Daniel Hunter at the deadline. Even a day after Kirk Cousins went down and Justin Jefferson was on IR and everyone's looking around like, oh my God, they're dead. Um, because they knew what they had with this defense. And so kudos to them because you pair it now with the first mobile quarterback that Kevin O'Connell has had in Minnesota. The first mobile quarterback we've seen up there since, dare I say, Teddy Bridgewater um, before his accident. Is so, he about to Matt Castle this and turn this into a pretty big contract this year? Actually, it's funny you say that because what I have reiterated even prior to him tearing his Achilles is that I believe that the Vikings were already on a trajectory to re-sign Kirk Cousins because they have no succession plan, even though his contract expires after this year. They would find some team-friendly two-year deal. He would be the bridge quarterback for the next two years while, let's say, a Michael Penix Jr. or a J.J. McCarthy gets their sea legs underneath them, perhaps similar to Will Levis this year. Now it's even better because now it's just going to be Josh Dobbs as your bridge. Hopefully if you're able to sign him to some sort of extension to incentivize him and, you know, appreciate show appreciation for what he's been able to do. And granted two weeks is a small sample size, but like I said, he was performing admirably in Arizona as well. well He also led the Titans and granted he'd only been there for five minutes to an AFC de facto South de facto championship last year. So um, that's where I think this is an ideal for the Vikings because they can say goodbye to Kirk now and they have their cult hero so long as this continues. And he can be the bridge while they kind of wait for things to fizzle, but then they have the rookie in their back. He's a great story. He's someone that the fans are going to fall in love with and care about. And he's going to be a reason that fans are going to buy tickets and want to tune in to watch them play. And uh, it is a great story. I do think it's somewhat of a comeback. I feel like it's comparable to the geno smith situation yes. not apples yeah. to apples but i feel like it's comparable and geno one that? comeback player of the year third round pick fourth round pick. yeah, G- yeah. so geno one comeback it was a player fourth of the round year. pick yeah well geno was obviously a second round pick and josh mm-hmm. was a fourth round pick so i i think it's it's fairly similar but creed man this is a band that everyone counted out they said they're done they, they went and started alter bridge because they figured creed was done for good and alter bridge rules so now they're back in 2023 because nostalgia rules also and anything nostalgia sells. Maybe, just maybe, if the Vikings can make the playoffs, maybe Creed can play the Vikings out to the field and do the skull chant. They can start the skull chant. I love that. Like, like I think I think higher will be playing and then you just get the claps going along. 
Can you take me higher? See what I'm saying here? I like it. The beat works. There's a chance for synergy as far as I see it. Do you want another throwback? It's going to okay. take you back, but not quite as far. Um, Sean Kingston performed a free concert at Jack's Beach last night. Mm. Didn't know that was happening. Was falling asleep, as, as previously mentioned, on the couch. And Kevin wakes me up and he's like, why are all of our friends at Sean Kingston? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, apparently it's a free concert. I just texted like so-and-so. And I was like. So apparently, like you said, nostalgia is back. If you were relevant 10 plus years ago, um, consider yourself a lock that things are going to come back. Actually, at The Bachelorette, one of the girls noted to me how um, uh, uh, baggy jeans with um, the flair, that's back too. So everybody loves a throwback. That they do, but let's go back to the present here with what's going on with the New York Jets. Oh, baby, here we go. The New York Jets offense is so historically bad right now, John. Um, And also all the finger pointing has been to Zach Wilson. Shocker, because he's the quarterback. He throws a late game pick last night on Sunday Night Football that dooms the Jets against the Raiders, led by Antonio Pierce. Zach Wilson has thrown one touchdown since October 1st. It is November 13th. Yet head coach Robert Sala says... No changes at quarterback. No changes at offensive coordinator. Even as New York keeps trying to insist that there is a glimmer, a glimmer that they could make the playoffs. John, is Robert Sala sabotaging his own team? I don't know if he's the one making the call, Mia, but this is sabotaging the Jets. There's no doubt about that as far as I'm concerned because all I'm thinking about is what if Josh Dobbs was the quarterback of the Jets right now? What if Gardner Minshew was the quarterback Mm -hmm. of the Jets right now? Carson Wentz, Nick Foles. There are several guys who could step in there and be the quarterback of the New York Jets right now and give them a better chance to win than Zach Wilson. I'm sure Zach Wilson plays hard. I'm sure he practices hard. He seems to really want to be good, and that's great. But that's not enough in the NFL. It's simply not enough. That one touchdown that he threw on October 1st, it was a one-yard dump-off pass that Brees Hall then went 50 yards down the sideline for. So cycle back even further than that, as far as I'm concerned. They're putrid in the red zone. Yes, their offensive line stinks. They've been beat up. Yes, their wide receivers can't catch anything, aside from Garrett Wilson, of course. But it all falls on Zach Wilson. And for Robert Sala to come out and say, no, Zach's playing good football. He's doing the right things. He's either delusional or he's got someone above his head saying you can't make a change here. Whether that's Woody Johnson or Joe Douglas as general manager, some, or maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Aaron Rodgers wants to see Zach Wilson get the reps. I don't know. You know Robert Sala would do anything. He'd give his left leg for Aaron Rodgers. So maybe that's it. But whatever it is, it is sabotaging the Jets. The Jets came into this only a game and a half out of the East lead. Now they're like the 11 seed in the AFC, and they're going to have to beat a lot of people, they're going to have to rattle off a lot of wins. And once upon a time, it looked like the schedule was a little easier. That Texans game would have been a, a layup. Not anymore. So, yeah, Mia, I do believe that this is sabotaging the Jets, whether it is Salah's choice or not. Well, they get another primetime game this week, John. Just what the doctor ordered for Zach Wilson. Am I right? A uh, nice little 430 kick against the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. Then they have to host the Miami Dolphins in their high-powered offense. 
Uh, a home game against the Falcons, at least that's a little bit of refuge. Then the aforementioned Texans. And then they got to go to Miami, and then they host the Commanders. That is their next six ahead. Um, I see two and four. Yeah. All over it. So that puts them at what? Six and nine? Nice. You're not getting in the playoffs with that. No, not in the AFC and the NFC, maybe. That's the reason the Vikings didn't sell everybody off. That's the reason the Vikings went and got Josh Dobbs because they're like, hey, we have a decent, we have a decent treasure trove of wide receivers, even Sands, Justin Jefferson. We know our defense is going to be good. So let's go do something with this. And Jets Jets defense defense is fantastic. Historically good. And they are just up against it every week. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, personally, I, I mean, if you're the Jets, like I get week one saying we can't just throw in the towel and say Aaron Rodgers is done for the year and because we're not going to have him, we have no shot at making the playoffs and everything is lost and all hope is over. Um, I get that. I totally understand that. But now all of a sudden you're at crunch time and you haven't even signed a veteran backup quarterback. Well, they have Trevor Simeon on their roster. And oh, not yeah, that's that, true. You know, that, but, not, you know, listen, not that Trevor Simeon's great. He's obviously not. But you can't tell me that he wouldn't give you as good of a chance to win as Zach Wilson right now. At this point, I would play Tim Boyle at this point. Right. What are we so, doing? So I don't understand the thought process there. Start Trevor Simeon for a half. See what you get out of him in the first half of a game. See what he's able to get going with this offense. Maybe he's able to air the ball out a little more. I just feel so bad for Garrett Wilson. Like, this poor man's well, career so has been derailed. So Garrett Wilson's been great, right? He's their yeah. only good offensive player right now. Because even Brees Hall hasn't been very good this year. Well, so, he started out pretty good, but yes, continue. Well, he had, like, no carries in the beginning of the season. So, let's say they have Aaron Rodgers, who I understand, Hall of Fame quarterback, say what you want about his accolades. Is this offense monumentally better with Aaron Rodgers? Not monumentally. That was why Robert Sala took a victory lap when they started out three and three, because that was their goal the first six weeks of the season with Aaron Rodgers, because it was such a gauntlet, or at least on paper. I just don't think their offense is very good, let alone Zach Wilson. Their offensive line is non-existent. Their offensive line is this year. Yeah. Alan Lazard's a horrific number two receiver. I mean, he's awful, awful. And I I say that somebody who's friends with him, like it was God awful watching them in primetime last week where on Monday night football, he had what, like 12 targets and five catches or something. It was balls. He drops. He drops a ton. Randall Cobb has been a healthy scratch, which I understand he was there for vibes, but you've literally got some, what, Malik Taylor? like They they are so undisciplined on offense. They have penalties up the wazoo. So, yeah, okay, maybe Aaron Rodgers helps a good amount with that, but I don't think it's anything that makes them an instant contender based on how they're playing on offense, their defense is a championship caliber defense. Right. I think but a you got to play it, both sides of the ball. I think a lot of it depends on what was your view of Aaron Rodgers during his last five years in Green Bay? Because um, there are some people who believe he was part of the problem, and there are those who believe that there were more problems that he was able to overcome and compensate for because of his savvy. And so I tend to lean in the latter. I think a, a big reason why the – Packers continued to compete for titles was because of Aaron Rodgers and his ability to get in, you know, not only create a a game plan alongside the coaches that put 
wide receivers like Alan Lazard in the best position to succeed. We forget Alan Lazard was an undrafted free agent. They bring back the ghost of Randall Cobb, and for only one year it worked. Um, you know, like I, I like to think that, again, depending on what you think of Mike McCarthy, chicken or the egg, if LaFleur actually was really pulling a lot more strings than we realize, although now with Jordan Love, it's looking like maybe it was all Aaron, similar to it was all Tom Brady, not Bill Belichick. You know, if he was able to help them, could he help the Jets? I think the AFC is much stronger than the NFC, so I don't think it would have made that much of a difference, but it would have made more than Zach Wilson being a detriment. Well, then let's ask about Aaron. Oh, this upsets me so freaking much. Aaron Rodgers told the NBC broadcast crew last night that he hopes to be playing under center for the Jets in the middle of December, which would make for maybe the fastest comeback ever from a torn Achilles in NFL history. Straight up question, Mia. Are we buying this? No, and thankfully you talked me off the ledge before we came on the air because this ish has to be either a bit just to rally the troops or it's a conspiracy and he never actually tore his Achilles anyways. And he took three snaps behind that offensive line and said, yeah, see ya. I ain't dealing with this, um, which I don't think is the case. And it, it, I like Dan Levitard floated the theory last week of like, if he's going to keep saying this, maybe he didn't fully tear his Achilles and Robert Sala was wrong. Like, well, you know, he spoke, misspoke, but at this juncture, we're two months removed like, if it wasn't fully torn, we would have heard about it by now. And I don't think Robert Sala has any reason to say Aaron Rodgers is done for the year September 13th. But he had to. And so it just makes no sense, and that's why I have to just lean into this is him with his crazy voodoo magic medicine, and it's it honestly is a slap in the face to every medical professional out there who's ever treated someone with this injury. Just being completely honest. <sighs> It's definitely an insult to my intelligence. This guy getting platformed time and time again to spew his nonsense. And it is nonsense what he spews. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. It is dangerous. Now, I genuinely do believe that this is just a motivation factor He's trying to show the Jets they've got something to play for. Hey, stay in contention and I'll see what I can do. I'll have a shot. But the reality is, Mia, let's say hypothetically speaking, he really thinks a month from now he's going to be back. That would require the Jets to actually be in a playoff position. And to bring things full circle here, with Zach Wilson as your quarterback, you're not going to be in a playoff position. Also, it's imagine- not going to happen. Imagine if every team in the AFC was to suddenly collapse and let's say they were in a playoff position. Is he really going to come back? Like, now that you've been saying it, we're going to be like, well, we're waiting. And, like, medical science will tell him otherwise. I think he's very much hoping that subconsciously that they fall out of it and he can be able to say, "Ah, I was ready to go, but you know what? It's just not worth it right now. We're going to get healthy. We're going to come back at the beginning of next year, and things are going to be great. And it's going to be a big dramatic video. I really do believe that. Where he goes into the darkness, and oh my God, yeah, you're right. No, I really do believe I agree that with you. No, I agree with you. Fall I, out of contention, and he's going to say, you know, I felt like I could have gone out there, but just to be safe, since there's nothing to play for at this point, I'm going to sit the rest of the season, and I'm going to come back next year. Well, That's exactly how I think this plays right. out. And if nothing else, he did a very good job. It was a very good PR move for the past eight weeks in which 
the Jets were being toasted as America's team because they're rallying without Aaron Rodgers, um, which, hey, listen, if that gave some clicks and extra ticket seats to Woody Johnson, you know, good for you. I'm glad you guys were able to harness some moolah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just honestly it's frustrating. Like it was one thing when he said it to Derwin James and he got caught on the hot mic with it, whatever. But the fact that Melissa Stark reported it, which means like he said it in a media session, like what are we doing? I, I'm like I, the fact that we're even giving this man a platform to say this out loud. Do they think the American public is that dumb? As we sit here and talk about it, <laughs> but we're at least like admitting that it's dumb. Yeah. Like they think the average football fan's going to hear it and go, "Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is going to be back." Yeah, because okay, so what happens? A simple he, Google what, search of an Achilles tear will tell you otherwise. So, Mia, what happens if he somehow does come back? What happens if Mister? He's gonna just break it again. Like he'll tear it what again. What happens if so- Mister Fish Oil on my tendon is able to come back here and pull some voodoo magic using the the dark hold from Marvel and is able to wandavision his way onto the field? There will be a cult following for whatever medicine they and... already do. It's called the Joe Rogan experience. I know, but like he will then become he will usurp Joe Rogan as their their master, their supreme leader, and people will be worshiping at his feet, which is a scary prospect. Which is ironic given that he's always been a foot ahead due to his immunization status. Anyway, let's keep going on to Major League Baseball, Mia. Yeah, um, actually, this is pretty perfect because uh, I don't know if you noticed what hat I have on, John, but we'll get to that here in just a second. Um, We are getting into the meats and bones of what I love to call hot stove season in Major League Baseball. John, what is your one bold prediction transaction that will take place in the MLB this winter? It, well, first off, I got to roast you for saying the MLB. You know, the that's MLB. Not, you're going to lose some points from that for that for me. I just wanted to say in the Major League Baseball. The Major um, League Baseball. Well, that was Yoshinobu Yamamoto. You just saw there before. I think he's going to sign a big deal. That's not a bold prediction. My bold prediction is that Shohei Otani goes to the world champion Texas Rangers. I think they will muster up a big deal for him. A lot of it will be incentive laden in that he will go to the Texas Rangers, still stay in the AL West, be able to play with a team that now has a track record, is showing that they're willing to spend, has the best manager in the game. Why wouldn't you want to be part of that? And if they're willing to fork it out, I say, Shohei, do it. What's yours? Yes. Uh, well, I was going to say, I think he's going to go. Um... No, I don't think he's going to go to the Braves. I actually think he's going to go. There's to a Chicago. report that says he's expressed interest in the Braves. Yeah, this morning. I know. That was part of why I was joking about the hat I have on. Um, because all my cohorts at my station, who are all Braves fans, were like, hey, it's happening. He's not going to go to the East Coast. However. The Braves are also notoriously cheap. So Correct. So that's why. I, right. They let uh, Freddie walk so that they could bring in, you know, a, a good first baseman in Matt Olson. But, you know, who was half the price. Um, no, I actually think Shohei's going to go to the Cubs. I think that oh. I do think he's going to go to the Cubs. That's my hot, my bold take. Interesting. Um, Craig Council rubbed all the wrong feathers today with his. It was time to be a Cub or whatever 
he said in his presser this morning, like, I feel so bad for the good people in Milwaukee who are always regarded as little brother. And now they really are. Um, and it's unfortunate because they have been a very consistent team over the last decade. If not, you know, they're not a top tier team, but they're consistent. They've been competitive more than the Cubs, I would argue, since the World Series unit fell apart. And I do think that the move for Craig Council is perhaps the first real shred of evidence that management and ownership in Chicago are going to push everything into the middle of the table. They see what the Texas Rangers did. And as much as the Texas Rangers also developed a farm system, the Cubs have struggled to do that since that World Series unit. I think you're going to see a situation where they're going to go big fish hunting this offseason. So show, oh, and they're going to pass on Bellinger. They're going to let Bellinger walk. Who are the Cubs? Yeah. No, I think they're going to find a way to keep them both. I, I, I do. I think that they're going to see what that's that, like 700 plus million dollars. Yeah. Well, players. I see what that middle infield in Arlington was. And I, I see there is going to be a team. Maybe it's not the Cubs, but there is going to be a team that sees what, the Rangers did with Seager and Simeon, and they're going to say, me next. Here's some money. And unfortunately, John, for our sake, it's not going to be the New York Yankees, which is, you know. I think the Yankees will be in on Cody Bellinger. If you want another bold one, I'll give you a bold one. I'll say the Yankees pull off a trade for Juan Soto. Oh, that would be amazing. I don't even think he's that good, but I just need some fresh blood. You don't think Juan Soto's that good? I watched him play. He's all right. I think that whole team had some weird juju going on. He's good. With the Nationals, he was freaking amazing. That's wild. Juan Soto, had he been on the Yankees this year, would have had the highest war on the team. He would have been the best player by a large margin. And what happened to the Padres? I mean, I don't blame Juan Soto for the Padres being bad. He was probably their best player, too. I don't know. That's an interesting take. I I just wasn't that, like, balled over. 24 years old. You can trade for him, sign him to a big contract. Well, you tell me this. I think Cashman has to make some sort of bold move this offseason. Cannot just keep on keeping on and blaming it on. We're going to get healthy. We're going to run it back and everything is fine. So is that the big move? I mean, that we could have talked about that, too, with Brian Cashman going full scorched earth on Yankee fans in the media. this And blaming us. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe, um, I see in our comments, Scott saying he's not a fit there. I don't see how Juan Soto's not a fit with the Yankees, unless he's referring to the Padres. But with the Yankees, Juan Soto's a perfect fit. Left-handed power hitter with a short right field porch. Lefty. Did I mention he's a lefty? I was just going to say, Lord knows, please. Just give us somebody who can bat left-handed. Because imagine you have You could stack Judge, Soto, Stanton, Rizzo, one, two, three, four, and you've got something formidable there if that's the route you end up going. So... I'm not a believer at all that Juan Soto wouldn't be a fit there. It's a very top-loaded free agency class where once you get past the first few names, you're not going to find a whole bunch of gold mines. So the teams that strike first are going to be the lucky ones. I wouldn't be surprised if Otani comes off the board a lot sooner than people think he does. You don't think he's going back to L.A., though? He might go back to L.A., but it won't be with the Angels. I know. I was just going to say, Brian Windhorst. He's back in L.A., but Scott, not. the problem is, he says you're going to pay him with Stan and Judge already big, getting big money. They're the New York Yankees. They can afford anybody. All these teams can afford anyone. There's no There's no, no salary limit. These, these owners own a baseball team. They are billionaires. They can pay whoever they want, whatever they want. They all have 727s. I can't stress this enough. 
Don't accept mediocrity from your local baseball team. They can pay whatever they need to in order to retain top-tier talent. We talked about this last year on the show with Aaron Judge. It's just what capitalism is, what the market calls for. You can afford your top-tier players if you own a Major League Baseball team. Was John Carlos Stan a bad contract for the Yankees? Yes, he was. But guess what? There were warning signs that John Carlos Stan could potentially become a bad contract. There's no signs here that Shohei Otani is going to be a bad contract. Even if he doesn't bounce back as the pitcher that he once was with this Tommy John surgery, you're still getting an elite hitter who is going to be a factor for years to come. He's a legitimate superstar draw in a way that John Carlos Stan never was. He's a transcendent player and will is probably already a Hall of Famer merely on the impact he's had on the game. You do what you can to bring Shohei Otani in if you have the wherewithal and belief that you can win with him. I told you, I thought last year, I mean, it wouldn't have worked out given his injuries, but I thought the Rays should have traded for him at the deadline. Can you imagine if Shohei had gone to the Rays for this midseason rental and went for the World Series? Can you imagine the the Rays actually wanting, though, to even have to pay a little bit of that? Well, the Rays are about to probably lose Wander Franco, so they're going to open up a ton of money there. I'd like to see the Rays get in on someone. Go I would him. too, but I don't think they're going to pay. Go when have they Batman. Go get outside someone. of Wander Franco? What evidence suggests to you that they will be paying somebody from the outside? And he wasn't from the outside. He was homegrown. I, um, I would like to read for our listeners on YouTube and beyond, which of course we appreciate your super chats. Please leave us those that supports the network. Um, here is the Yankees outfield depth chart as it currently stands. You're starting three outfielders. Everson Pereira, Estevan Florial, Aaron Judge. DH is John Carlos Stanton. Oswaldo per- per- Cabrera is your utility. Jake Bowers, Jason Dominguez, seen. And Scott also says, what are, my only question would be if the Yankees would give up top prospects for Soto. Give up all your prospects for a guy like Juan Soto. Juan Soto's 24 years old. He's as young. He's some a prospect. Pros- some of the prospects that you want to that you don't want to give up are older than Juan Soto. So give up the prospects. Prospects are not guarantees. Here's a guarantee that if you made this trade, you'd have to imagine you're doing it under the precipice that you're signing him to a massive extension. He's one of the best players in baseball. He's young as hell. He's a left-handed hitter. He's a good fielder. He has so much equity that he brings. He would mash at Yankee Stadium. He would mash at City Field if the Mets were to bring him in. You make that trade if you can, no matter who you are. I'm very strong about this. I this is I great. Hate, I enjoy this. Scott, keep it coming. Eddie, keep it coming. We love I everybody hate the on YouTube. Leeway that people give, and I'm not talking about you specifically, Scott, but I, I hate the leeway that people give Major League Baseball owners because there is no cap. If you want to own a team, you have to be willing to invest in them. You have to be willing to invest. You want to stay in the Big Apple? We can. Let's do it. Wemby! Wemby, so this was a fun one here. Ahead of his MSG debut against the Knicks, Victor Wembenyama broke bread with Tom Brady, the GOAT. Wembenyama said he and Brady ran into each other at a dinner with Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin. Seven-time Super Bowl champ seemed mesmerized by the 7'4 rookie, calling out the height disparity on social media. If you notice, this picture might be a tad bit photoshopped there, Mia. Maybe Tom Brady photoshopped it. He's very so I have to say, is it. this the one game that TB12 finally can't win? Yes, but also he is winning by photoshopping and leaning into the bit. 
And that is where the self-deprecation, new age Tom Brady, I am a fan. And I never thought I would get to that point. If you had asked me 10 years ago about Tom Brady, post-playing career, his MO, his how he carries himself, I would have never said, I love this guy. He's so funny. But he is. He has fun. And again, I, as I, I've said many times in this program, so much of it, I think, stems from his marriage, is the dissolve, the, his marriage dissolving because he chose to play. Again, we'll never find out fully until one of them writes a tell-all if his decision to go back to the Bucks for a third year was the reason for he and Giselle's divorce. Um, seeing firsthand, not having his kids around every day, what that did to him emotionally, spiritually. Uh, you know what? Awful situation. He he knows that he made his bed and he lays he's laying in it, but it sounds like he's trying to at least come up with tangible ways. He to seems like he's enjoying life. He seems like right, he's and I think now. he's he's rebuilding his image a little bit too. Honestly, I think it's a mistake that he's going to Fox next year. I don't think he is. You think it's going to fall out with that? Yeah. yeah, I do. I think he's going to say he wants to spend more time with the kids and the cats, which I can't blame him. So, who doesn't want to spend more time with their cat? Interesting. And he has two of them because they I mean, I saw him show up. One of my favorite YouTubers, Nick DiGiovanni, is a chef. Tom did a video with him and showed him how to make his customized avocado ice cream. That's like the good stuff. Like, that's what I mean. Like, if he had just retired, and I see somebody in the chats, Eddie, saying this too, which is true. Like, if he had retired right after his Patriots career, this would not be happening. He had no, to go to Florida. Jeter. Right. But even worse. Like, you think it'd be worse than Jeter? Yeah, I do. Just I love Derek Jeter. I think Derek Jeter is terrible on TV. Well, I think with Derek Jeter, I think he's terrible on TV too, but I could have told you that 10 years ago because yeah. he was terrible as a player on TV. So, yeah, I think Brady needed, like, Brady, similar to Jeter not going right to a TV set in which he tried to flex his muscles in his various business ventures and in the front office and – Obviously, it fell apart, and so all he could really do was laugh at himself and be slightly bitter, but also be like, let me build a bridge. I also think Derek Jeter getting married and having three girls has like very much opened his eyes to perhaps how stiff he was. And I think in the same vein, like Tom Brady needed to get outside of that mothership and embrace that there is a world beyond New England. And so I'm happy he's hanging out with Wemby. I'm glad he's just, you know, he's out here living, living the dream, and hopefully, you know, he's with his kids and – Happy for him, but yeah, no, um, he, he's not that tall. So, not sure any quarterbacks are. So, although, did you see that uh, Florida basketball got the next French kid to commit? Yes, I did see that. Shout out Todd Golden, the so Golden yeah, Age. Scott Scott just telling us Gunnar Henderson won AL Rookie of the Year. So, first Oriole, I believe, since nineteen eighty nine or something like that to win Rookie of the Year. Pretty cool. The Orioles, Orioles are, are relevant story. again. The Orioles are a great story, and I think they're going to be around for years to come. So, all right, Mia, time for the Beast of the Week. It could be Gunnar Henderson. Who is who did or who was the most beastly thing in the sports world this week for no, you? come on, John Alba. You know who I have to pick. Now the all-time leading scorer at the University of Iowa, men's or women's. It's the one, the only, the walking triple-double, Caitlin Clark. She achieved the feat. Last night, or yesterday afternoon, I should say, in a win over Northern Iowa. More impressively, she also put up 40-plus in a showdown with number 6 Virginia Tech. Iowa now up to number 2 in the rankings because, oh, wait for it, the Kim Mulkey transfer portal experiment is not gelling right away. 
I do think they'll get it figured out eventually. Um, but it was really great this week in the first week of college basketball. Number one, to see Lisa Bluter returning all but two players from that team that went to the national championship a year ago and them really picking up where they left off. But also shout out to Dawn Staley, who, of course, is a real one. People wrote off South Carolina. I believe they were eighth in the preliminary AP poll. Um, they're now number one. They ran Notre Dame out of the gym. They ran Maryland out of the gym. They look as good as ever. Um, so shout out to the OGs. Great to see. Also, um, shout out to women's basketball in general, scheduling so many top 25 and top 10 yeah, games way to get people the first week on. of the season. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it should be. The fact that we had mm-hmm. to wait to see more than – so I think last week in top 25 matchups, I think there were five total, total across college basketball. And, like, I get they want to, you know, really promote, like, the, the Champions Classic tomorrow night and – Whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate that women's basketball said, let's get all of our stars out there. Let's get as many ranked matchups as possible. Let's give you some good basketball. I'm about that. I'm certainly about that. Beast of the week. Taylor Swift changing the words to karma for Travis Kelsey. Karma is a guy on the Chiefs. And shout out to the Beast who caught the video of Travis Kelsey reacting to that. Pretty great. I love that. It was great. I love this is this is working, Mia. It's happening. I know. Kevin and I may or may not have made a bet about it what, yesterday, and he's probably going to win. I'm going to share it. He has money on it with me that they will be married by May of 2025, or at the very least have 2025. a date. 2025. Okay. Just because they're both 33, they both have been in relationships where – Either it was too much about the show or it was not even wanting to be in public. So are you going the over or are you going the under on that? I went the over only because I want it to be different and because I do love this so much and I think it's so real. And like genuinely, like seeing them celebrate together backstage, like it was so pure. Like it can't be contrived. It can't be fake. You know, like it does give you this. Went out to Buenos Aires for and he did and you know what and that's huge because if you go through that track record of all our dopey boyfriends who would only have one week off in a 16 week 20 week stretch and say yeah i'll fly down to buenos aires and just you know and let's be real she can't hang out no she's performing for four hours she's got to get ready she's got to do sound checks like it's not like they were gonna go lay on a beach no and he said no problem i'll come hang out and like that is dedication and like that is also like that's some husband behavior right there. yes so I'm very happy for them. And also he he's like not creepy or worshipy about it, but he's like so like like on his podcast, like he's talked about like, you know, some of the cool things that people don't know about her that he really appreciates. And like she's never had a partner who was a cheerleader for her. How much do you think <laughs> how much do you think his podcast numbers dropped once all this uh, jumped once the once this all became Well, confirmed. the best part is is that his brother's documentary came out at the same time, which I haven't seen it yet, but multiple people have his told me His brother who deserves the beast of the week not his own right for being on the short list for sexiest man of the year. I love the meme floating some around love the for some dad bod, you know I'm about it. The meme floating around the internet of the two of them at Cincinnati. <laughs> One of these men will be dating Taylor Swift, the other will be a finalist for sexiest man of the year. Good for them. This has been Out of Bounds, your home for the weird, wacky, wild, and sports. We will see you next time right here on the Know Your News Network. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.